Hey, Christ Journey. So glad that we can be together once again at this particular time. And I know that we have guests who join us and connect with us from around the world, different nations, different states. But would you just let me for a moment say to Christ Journey, those of us who gather regularly right here in South Florida, I miss you. I love you. I'm longing for us to be together again and praying that it would be sooner rather than later. So please know uh, that Lisa and I have you on our minds and in our thoughts and on our prayers, and we're asking God to bless you in that way today, that uh, even though we're separated, that he, he gives us a connection in this time together. And with that in mind, I want to let you know as we begin a new series that we're going to be turning our attention to some encouraging words for discouraging times. The series is called Infinite Hope, and we're praying as we make our way through some of the stories where God shows up in amazing ways that he will show up for you as well. Today, we're going to look at Acts chapter 16, and so if you'd like to have a Bible so you can follow along, please go there now, Acts chapter 16. And let me ask you this. Do you love surprises? You know, some people love surprises. Others, not so much. Like uh, my wife, for instance, she likes surprises. I'm not sure she loves them, but I know she likes them, but mostly when she's in on planning them. Perhaps not so much on receiving them when she doesn't see them coming, but when she's planning them, she loves to do that. It's like, and she gets so excited that it's like, I know something that you're really gonna like. She's so excited that she, she can't even let the secret be the full surprise. Well, God is full of surprises. And I have an activity today that may help us see that. And everybody can participate, if you will. Uh, I did this with our staff recently, and I'm going to ask you to do it today with me. Um, you simply complete this statement. I thought, and then fill in the blank, but then God surprised me when, fill in the blank. I thought, fill in the blank, but then God surprised me when fill in the blank. Now, recently, our staff did this with me, and I've lifted some of the surprises that God brought into their lives. I didn't know what they were going to say, but here are a few examples. I thought that I wasn't good enough and didn't have the experience or knowledge to work in ministry, but then God surprised me by giving me a job at Christ's Journey. Here's another one. I thought my newborn grandson might die or be mentally handicapped because of a genetic disorder. But then God surprised me with an adult donating part of his liver so he could be healed. What a wonderful surprise is that? Here's another one. I thought I would stay single, which uh, I had come to terms with that that's what God's best for me was to be. But then God surprised me by bringing a godly man to be my husband and serve alongside. One more. I thought I, control, I, I thought I could control how my children think and behave. And then God surprised me by allowing circumstances to occur in my family that prove he's in control, not me. Now, maybe you've had some surprises in this season of quarantine. Um, we would love to hear them. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Just jot them down. I thought, but then God surprised me when. And then you can write them in the chat even now for 
conversation as we're moving forward, or you can take them into your group and share them with others so that we can all get in on the surprise. This is another way for us to say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, or let the surprised of the Lord say so. God's redeeming grace can be surprising. And one of the things surprising about it sometimes is the circumstances in which it comes. There can be surprising and not, even, not always seem like happy surprises. As someone said, they are blessings in disguise and sometimes they come very well disguised. Well, Acts 16 is full of surprises, sometimes puzzling, sometimes bewildering, not unlike situations where we find ourselves today. In Acts 16, Paul and Timothy have just launched into their second missionary journey. Paul, uh, or Paul and Silas have, and they've linked up with Timothy, who would later then become pastor of a church in Ephesus, to whom he would write the letters, first and second, Timothy. Timothy lived in Lystra. His mother was of Jewish descent. His father was Greek, which means that Timothy was mixed racially, mixed ethnically. His mother was a believer. His dad was a Greek, most likely pagan, polytheistic lifestyle, like most in his day. And we're told that he's uncircumcised, and so was Timothy, which probably wasn't a problem until he joined the ministry team with Paul who wanted to reach Jews. Jews who knew that Timothy's father was uncircumcised pagan. So verse three, Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area. Now, I take that to mean so as not to be an obstacle to the Jews, Paul wanted to reach for Christ in the area, okay? Well, Dr. Luke, who's also a Gentile, a Greek, who's writing the book of Acts, he just says this so nonchalantly. It's like Paul wanted to take him along, so surprise, it's circumcision day for you, Timothy. That's quite a mission orientation, I'm thinking. But verse five assures us the outcome of the surprise Churches were strengthened in faith, and then they grew daily in numbers. People were coming to Christ. No surprise there. God's anointing is on the mission, and people are being reached for Christ. Verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Hold up. Time out. I thought the point of them missionary journey is to help people find and follow Christ. But here, the Holy Spirit is keeping them from doing that. I mean, that's what it says. Surprise! Now, we're not told how or why, but somehow God has led Paul to understand, Paul and the team to understand that God is closing a door on Asia at that time. Now, it may have looked like the next stop on the map, or the next obvious landing point on the linear journey forward. But somehow God says, no, not now. I'm thinking that may have been a surprise to them on that journey. Has God ever surprised you with a closed door? I mean, it looked like a ripe opportunity for you, lots of low-hanging fruit, but then God says, no, 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 no. That doesn't make sense to you at the time, but God closed the door. What do you do? What do you do? Well, you keep on trusting and you keep moving forward. That's what Paul and the team do. 
It's, uh, uh, they don't argue with the no. They just keep on the go. It's much easier to guide a moving object than a stationary one. Much easier to, uh, to turn the steering wheel on a car if it's in motion than to try to turn it when it's stationary in your driveway. So if you feel stuck, then get on the move. Keep on the go. But where? Did you notice God doesn't tell them where to go? Only where not to? Surprise! What do you do when God says no, but doesn't tell you when your next step is? And then it's like God goes into radio silence. I'll tell you what I do. I go to his word. Psalm 39, 32, verse 9 says, Do not be like the horse or mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit or bridle, or they will not come to you. You know what? God likes his people to know him well enough that they step out seeking him without being directly led. So how do you do that? How do you find God's will without being directly led? Well, Paul shows us. He does what he already knows. Do what you already know. The Lord had told him through Ananias at his conversion, Acts chapter 9, verse 15, he was to proclaim the name of Jesus before the Gentiles. So that's what he does. He already knows that, so he just keeps doing that. He keeps doing that. He keeps heading on down the road, going to find some more Gentiles along the way. Next stop, Mysia Bithynia. Well, there's the principle for you. Follow the light you have. When you hit a closed door, then go back to the place where you heard God's will clearly in your life. Reaffirm that. And that's what it looks like to me. Paul does here. So they just head up the road. Verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Surprise! Wait a minute. Again? I mean, what kind of mission trip is this? Uh, what are you supposed to do when God says no and then seems to go silent and you keep on the go and you follow the light you have and then you get in another no, not there, not yet, not now. You ever been there? You trusted, you tried, you stepped out in faith and then you ran into another wall. What then? Well, verse eight, they passed by Mysia. They don't argue with the no, they just keep on the go. And then they went down to Troas. That's a coastal city. Surely there'd be some Gentiles there that we could talk to, right? She shared Jesus with. So they stayed faithful. They stayed focused on mission. There's the principle. Stay faithful. Stay focused on your mission. Now, Paul would later write this, 1 Corinthians 2, 4. It is required of stewards that they be found what? Shall we say it together? Faithful. Faithful. For one day, for, for Jesus to someday be able to say to you, well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. You know what? He has to give you opportunity to build faithfulness. Now, Babe Ruth American baseball player, is uh, known in baseball as one of the greatest home run hitters of all time, uh, with a career record of 714 home runs. It was his signature move. 
for Babe Ruth, actually before Babe Ruth, home runs were unusual in baseball until he came along. Smithsonian Magazine asked this question, why was Babe Ruth so good at hitting home runs? Researchers say that his eyes, his ears, his, um, his brain, his muscle, they, they function faster than the average man, that, that he was basically a hitting Superman, okay? But did you know Superman also struck out 1,330 times? Failure was part of his journey to faithfulness. To, uh, to faithful success. Failure was part of his journey to success. So one of my favorite Ruth quotes is this, every strike brings me closer to the next home run. He wasn't afraid to keep swinging, even in the face of what looked like failure, even when he struck out. God developed spiritual athletes that way too. Surprise, right? What looks like failure can lead to fantastic faithfulness. That's the lesson. I learned years ago that God answers prayer in one of four ways. Sometimes God says no when the request isn't right. Sometimes God says slow when the time's not right. Sometimes God says grow when you're not right, when you need to develop more in your, in your faithfulness. And then sometimes God says go when everything is right at the time. Well, guess what happens for Paul? Verse nine, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So when the team got up at Troas, that next day, Paul connected the dots and concluded that God had called him to preach the gospel in Macedonia. So follow the light you have, God will give you more. Keep moving by faith, and the door will open in God's time. More light will come. But the story's not over yet. When they arrive in Philippi, they would see inscribed on the arch over the city gate a prohibition to bringing unrecognized religion into the city. Surprise! It was illegal to share Jesus in Philippi. So after several days, verse 13 says, on the Sabbath, they went outside the city gates. They didn't want to break the law. They went outside the city gate to a river, to a place of prayer, and they found women there. One, a business leader from the fashion industry named Lydia, who opens her heart to Paul's message and then opens her home to his team. Surprise. What's surprising about that? Well, Paul's vision was of a man. You remember? But God surprises him with a generous woman full of faith. That was surprising, right? Next surprise. After that, after releasing a slave girl from demonic oppression, Paul and Silas, by an act of mob violence, are taken. They're stripped. They're severely flogged. They're beaten. And then they're thrown into a prison cell. The jailer was ordered to guard them carefully. And so he decides to put them in the inner cell with their feet in the stocks, meant for the most dangerous criminals. And then the most amazing thing happens. In the middle of the night, Paul and Silas 
our wounded, bloody, naked missionaries are praying and they're singing. They're singing hymns to God. Is that surprising to you? The other prisoners are listening. I bet they were. What's that sound? I mean, what else do they have to do in the middle of the night in prison? Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer, the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Now, by the way, if you ever wonder what the Bible says about suicide, there it is. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. We're here for you. And then, in perhaps the biggest surprise of them all, the jailer opens his life to Christ and, uh, and takes Paul and Silas into his home where he, he washes their wounds. Remember, it's the middle of the night, but he washes their wounds. He sets a meal before them and his whole family believes and are baptized. Paul and Silas had told them the way to be saved. The text says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household, your whole family, whoever's under your roof. Now, I don't know what the man in Paul's vision looked like that night in Troas, who was standing and begging him to come over to Macedonia and help us. But now, there before Paul is a man who is dripping wet in baptism water with his family, and verse 34 says, filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole family. What made the difference? Faithfulness. Faithfulness in the face of failure. Faithfulness released in obedience. Faithfulness that stayed focused on mission even in the seasons of repeated disappointment and closed doors, faithfulness through a time of unanswered prayer. What seemed like, what? Are you kidding me? How does that figure? How does that work? Faithfulness when God seems silent, even absent. When circumstances are closing in and obstacles are rising up, when it feels like, man, I just struck out again. It's hard to keep swinging sometimes, isn't it? Now, I don't know where you are. and I don't know what you're going through right now. And I don't know what God is trying to say to you in this moment. But I do know what I think God wants me to help us see. Failure can be faced and overcome by faithfulness. Could we say that together? Failure can be faced and overcome by faithfulness, faithfulness, raw faith released in praise. That's what happens in the middle of the night, in the middle of the blood, released in the midst of injustice and even violence. It's amazing what praising can do. 
And that might be the most personal surprise of them all. Maybe a surprise you need to get in on today. How God shows up when we give voice to our faith in praise. Instead of rehearsing our burdens, instead of nursing our wounds, we choose to praise. Now, we're not denying the situation we're in. You know what we're doing? We're defying it. We are lifting up a shield of faith, knowing this, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he rewards those who earnestly, faithfully seek him. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a wealthy businesswoman or if you are a slave girl being exploited because of your demons or if you're a working man trying to do your job and not be swallowed up by your own quiet desperation. The story shows us what can happen when those who have breath praise the Lord. Psalm 150 verse 9, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Would you say it with me? Take a breath and let's say it. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I've learned that the will of God is more like a dance of faith than a march. A dance where you learn how to move with the Holy Spirit through life. More than waiting for orders to be barked out from on high, that we learn how to listen for the still, small voice of God's whisper through the Spirit, through his promptings, and then we follow his lead as he opens our understanding. That uh, A dance that keeps you moving, that keeps you following the light you have, that keeps you singing in the darkness, that keeps you staying when others are running or wanting to, to run away. For It makes you be there for someone at their wit's end. And then discovering, as God promised, that you will You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's a promise from God for you today, for somebody today, right now, that if you seek him, you will find him. But bring your heart. Now, we're not told what songs, what hymns Paul and Silas sang. Obviously, it's something that they had committed to memory, something they knew by heart, something that rose up in the darkness for them, maybe an old song they had learned and sung in worship. You know, I've found comfort in some, from some old songs of late, like songs like uh, Through It All by Andre Crouch. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. So I thank God for the mountains and I thank God for the valleys and I I thank God for the storms he's brought me through. If I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Your place of hardship can... uh, can become a place of fellowship with God. This is where faithfulness takes us. In Genesis 28, Jacob, who would become Israel, 
was in a hard place, in a dark night, and God met him in a dream with a promise and showed him a stairway to heaven. Surprise! When he woke, this is what he thought. Surely the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. I didn't have a clue. I didn't see it. Surprised me. You know, I'm feeling this right now. As a church, we've come to a similar place, facing a moment um, that could be seen as a failure, but seems to be a God-sized opportunity for faithfulness. Maybe you saw my email announcing that we would not be moving forward to launch our physical campus on Miami Beach as we had previously planned. The uncertainties of COVID-19 and uh, our desire to be wise stewards with God's resources have brought us to see a door closed. In light of that, Jacob Williams, our campus pastor for Miami Beach, submitted his resignation to me, to us. And uh, in speaking to our staff last week, showed such class, showed such respect, such love, such praise to God in the midst of this uh, what could feel like a dark place. And uh, in the middle of uncertain and un unknowable circumstances right now. Well, you know what's better than me telling you what Jacob said? It's letting us listen in while Jacob and Roxy share in their own words where they are. Hey, y'all. I remember back in April of 2019, when Mark Lesher bust into my office and said, hey, you got a minute to talk. And even if I would have said no, he still would have taken a minute to talk. And he said, hey, bro, what do you think about campus pastor of Miami Beach? And I said, what are you talking about? I, I need to pray. And the next thing I know, a couple of interviews later, some HR meetings, chats with Pastor Bill, a lot of prayer with Roxy, there we were. June 4th of 2019, I was Miami Beach campus pastor. In our heart of hearts, we wanted to be obedient and follow whatever the call may be and wanted to see more people reached for Jesus. We wanted to really and truly reach the beach. Now here we are, August 2020, and we are still excited, but the news is a little different. We never thought that the Miami Beach project would have to come to an end. And uh, there's not really a lot of words. We have faith and we're pressing on, but it doesn't make it any less weird that this is where we find ourselves right now in this really weird season. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I love about our marriage is that with every step that we've taken together from getting engaged, on a, in a really cool country and then starting a new journey and starting a new job and then you started at Christ's journey, I felt as though it's all been an adventure. And mm -hmm. so even with this news of closing down um, one door, I just see it as an adventure together. And so I'm excited for what's to come. For me, another angle to this whole situation was, well, for the past four years, I have been paid to do ministry from guest services to Miami Beach campus, and now that's not the case. 
And so I had to ask myself, like, how's ministry? Am I going to continue with as much joy and still be obedient, even though this is not my job? And I really thought about that and wrestled with that and thought, oh, my goodness, of, of course I'm going to. And I came to a place where I thought, man, if like what I'm trying to follow Jesus in a real in a real way and I'm trying to be obedient. And right now it looks a little bit like a valley and things aren't going exactly how we would hope they would have went. But that's if there's any time we need to lean in and be obedient, it's when things aren't going the way we want them to go or think they should go. And we're using this opportunity to be more faithful and say, okay, this isn't our vocation now, but it is our calling from our Heavenly Father to share the gospel, to make disciples, to be obedient, to read His Word. And that's where we're going to go with this. So paycheck or no paycheck, God's called every single one of us to serve Him and love Him. Yeah, and it's our joy to do that. The the most joy we feel as a couple and um, doing whatever we do is with people and spending time and sharing that joy with people. And mm. so I just praise God for that. And I think about Paul and Silas sitting in prison with those chains, not knowing if they can get out. And yet they're just praising God with no other intention. They're not even realizing that people can listen. And there are people that are actually listening mm-hmm. in. Um, and so the best gift that you can give us uh, is to join us in praise and rejoice with us in this adventure that we're about to embark on and in what God is doing because he is doing something through this and we believe that he's far more about our good than even we are yeah amen now I truly believe that in any situation seek first the kingdom of God and everything will be given to you and that means in your your marriages and raising your kids in pursuit of your vocation in your hobbies, in your fitness goals, and everything. Seek first the kingdom, and then everything will be given to you. Put God first, love Him first, grow in Him first, seek His word with all of your heart, and it will change the trajectory of your life. And that's something that we can always get better at. And this is an opportunity for us to just seek Him even more. And I think it's, it's the valleys that put things into perspective, and it's times like this where we see, okay, God, you're really trying to tell us something. And now's the time to lean into you more than ever. And that's my that's my goal right now. Yeah. You know, someone may ask, hey, what's the future for you, Jacob? You got your, you know, you got your resume written. And my response is, you know what? That's coming. But right now I'm seeking the will of my heavenly father. And I'm gonna be in step with where he would have me be, which is a lot better than where I think I should have me yeah. be. And so I encourage everyone on the other side of the screen, seek God first in everything that you do. Yeah. Amen. I just want to take a second to give some love to all my Miami Beach fam. You guys were amazing. From getting to the campus at 7 a.m., unloading the trucks, setting up the campus, creating a space for God's word to be heard, for God to be praised. Yeah. It was amazing. From the group meetings to the service projects, so much energy went in every single one of you did an amazing job and truly made a difference in people's lives we were truly thankful for you and also just want to raise up and say we're very thankful roxy and i both for the leadership of this church for the opportunities we've been given yeah i feel like we were you know trusted with a little and then trusted with a whole lot and 
it feels weird that we're here and that everything slowed down and shut down, but you know, we are owning what we can own and we can't control a global pandemic. Yeah. We can't control anything like that. And so we're looking to learn enough from this experience to get better and forget enough to, to move on. And we would not be where we were without Christ's journey. And I'm convinced that the mission of helping people find and follow Christ is deeply rooted in every leader and it trickles down to the volunteers and then everyone that's part of our church. Yeah. And that mission is not going away. We love every single one of you and it's gonna be, a, we're just gonna miss you. We're so thankful for Jacob and Roxy. I'm so thankful for them, for their willingness to step up and step out by faith and also now to stay in step with the Spirit as best we understand his leadership at this time. Would you join me in praying God's love, God's blessing, God's fullness to not only fill them, but overflow through them and then keep them close to his heart as he takes them into the next leg of their journey together. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Roxy. We love you. We're lifting you up even now. And I also want to say thank you to the entire Miami Beach team to every person who made those initial contributions that would underwrite this project, to every person who said, God is calling me and I wanna be part of the tip of the spear team, to every person who stepped up and became part of the core that served so well in these days of our launching. And uh, please know of my gratitude for each of you and that we are praying that we still believe in the vision. The vision has not gone away. God wants us to reach the beach, every person for Christ that we possibly can. But we also want to be like Paul and stay in step, learning and following God's lead where we find ourselves. Now, maybe you find yourself personally in a similar place. We all come to those times where we feel confused, where, we, where we're disappointed, where we're surprised and not always in a happy way, where, uh, where each one of us at some point are gonna feel like just layer upon layer upon layer, like pancakes of disappointment have just been stacked up on my plate. But listen, here's what I want us to know. Though none of us can choose our circumstances, each one of us can still choose our songs. We can choose to give voice to our faith. We can sing our praise. And you know what praise does? Praise says God is on the throne. God is still at work. God's got this and we're trusting him. Praise can set the captive free. Praise can open the closed door. Praise can break the captive's chains. Praise makes the difference. It's amazing what praising can do. You know, Paul and Silas were not singing that night for the people around them. They were voicing their own faith. But let's not forget that when we choose to voice our faith, others are listening. And, uh, and it can help them get free, get closer to free. I love the fact that Paul, in the middle of the night, in the middle of his bloody pains, in the darkness of that cell, locked up, he still has enough of God's love at work in his heart that uh, he can connect with another man in pain in the middle of the dark night who has come to the end of his hope. 
You think, uh, you think that jailer's family was thankful for Paul's jail ministry that night? You think they gave praise to God because uh, of Paul's worship life that night? For Silas singing in the dark. Even if Silas was the kind of guy who would say, you know, I really don't sing. But he did that night. Surprise. If you're in a dark, hard place and God turns the light on for you, maybe the last lesson is this. Be sure and look around before you get out of there and see if there's anybody that God wants you to bring with you to get into the light. I'm wondering what Silas might have written in his journal the next day. Maybe something like this. You know, I thought we were goners, but then God showed up and surprised me by using my life to help so many others. Would you pray with me now? Lord Jesus, thank you that you are full of the surprises of God's love, even in the midst of some of the most surprising and disappointing times of our lives. And I'm praying for some sister right now, for some brother right now, who just feels like doors have closed and opportunities have, have been taken out of circulation. That for whatever reason, they are finding themselves surprised by blessings that seem very well disguised. I pray for each one as they reach out to you that they would choose to voice their faith in praise, even now, to bring the, the weakness of our humanity into the glory of your infinity and say, God's got this one. And I believe and Lord, that your Holy Spirit would show up for each one in the way with just the right surprise you have for them at this time. And I'm also praying, Lord, for someone, maybe a successful business person who really wasn't looking for more and now suddenly realizes they got to have more, just like Lydia, successful businesswoman who was still reaching out in prayer and then found you. May that happen now. Maybe for somebody who feels like they just are owned by circumstance or being exploited by their own demons. They just feel trapped. Lord, would you show up for them and surprise them in Jesus today? And for somebody else who's just plugging away, doing the best they can in light of the hard times that we're in and never saw you coming with all the blessings of your hope in Christ. Friend, if that's you, and this is your day of salvation, would you join me in this prayer? Here's how to receive those blessings from God. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for me into this dark world. Thank you that you have taken my sins upon yourself at the cross. Forgive me. Thank you that you rose from the dead. And now your spirit can come alive in me. Come into my life. I receive you. 
And Lord, now lead me to become the person you would have me be as I follow you. Turn from my way. Learn to go your way. I invite you now to have your way in me. And I receive you and make this prayer in your name. Amen. May the uh, surprise of God's salvation fill you with joy. Until we uh, see you again, God bless you.